There are different kinds of hysterectomies, but when you hear that term, it's a scary prospect. What does it mean for your future, having children, and so many more questions? Our guest today is gynecologist Dr. Scott Bovelski with Health First, who will tell us what you should know before your hysterectomy. Welcome to Putting Your Health First, a podcast from Health First. I'm your host, Maggie McKay. Welcome, Dr. Bovelski. Thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So to start off with, what is your role as a gynecologist and what are the conditions you specialize in treating? So I do gynecology only. I stopped obstetrics about four to five years ago to focus on office gynecology, as well as surgical and more advanced robotic surgical procedures. And today we're going to focus on all things surrounding hysterectomies. So can you tell us about this procedure and the various reasons why it's performed? Sure. It is probably the most common gynecologic surgery that's done in the countries, hundreds of thousands a year. And a hysterectomy means taking out the cervix and the uterus. The uterus is the womb. It is also the part that can cause problems as women get older with heavier bleeding or fibroids, which are non-cancer tumors of the muscle of the uterus. So there are different ways to do the hysterectomy, but the most common reason we do them is for heavy bleeding. And can you talk about what other preoperative steps might be taken before a hysterectomy? Sure. So when a woman comes in and they complain of heavy bleeding, there's kind of an algorithm you need to go through. You need to see what the cause is if you can find one. So we typically would do a history, a physical exam, lab work, checking blood counts and some other things like thyroid functions to make sure that's not causing a bleeding problem. And we'd also get a pelvic ultrasound. And depending on the woman's age, we may also do something called an endometrial biopsy. And that's because rarely you can get precancer or cancer of the uterus that presents as heavy bleeding. Once we get all that information together, we can then make an educated decision about how we can deal with heavy bleeding. And there are other options other than hysterectomy. And what factors need to be considered when choosing to undergo a hysterectomy? So I think surgery should be the last resort. It's a low-risk surgery, but it's obviously more risk. So I think really understanding the different options, including medical management, intrauterine device, procedure called endometrial ablation. If a woman is a candidate for that, those are probably easier, quicker recovery, less risky procedures that should be tried first. And when you're talking about a hysterectomy, I mean, it is a major surgery. And so it does have an inherent risk, even though that risk is low. And obviously, if you have your uterus taken out, you're not going to have any more children. So that's a big step for a lot of women. And why is it that some women right after childbirth have to have a hysterectomy? Or is that in the past, mostly? No. So there is a procedure called a a cesarean hysterectomy or emergent hysterectomy right after childbirth. That's for a completely different reason. That is because after you give birth, in order for that uterus to stop bleeding, it has to contract down and block off the blood vessels. There are rare occasions where a woman won't stop bleeding and becomes life-threatening. And that would be an emergency hysterectomy. Those are rare. I mean, I've probably done four in 15 to 20 years. Those are pretty rare. Okay. Dr. Bovelski, what are the advantages and disadvantages of the various surgical approaches? Traditionally, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, all hysterectomies were done called open, 
meaning a big incision in the belly, like a bikini incision, or sometimes even for big uterus, an up and down incision all the way from the belly button down. That's the traditional way. It's really out of style now, and the vast majority of hysterectomies should not be done that way. When you do an open hysterectomy, it's a much bigger procedure, the much bigger recovery. You're in the hospital for two to three days. You're really out for six weeks. It's higher blood loss. The pain is much higher, so it's much harder to recovery. So a lot of GYN surgeons in the past were very proficient in vaginal hysterectomy, so doing hysterectomy all through the vagina. You will meet a lot of older surgeons who are excellent at this procedure. The problem we have is in residency training, even when I was in residency, the rate of competency in my mind for vaginal hysterectomy has gone down. And we've really transitioned to laparoscopic and robotic hysterectomy. What I mean by those is small little incisions in your abdomen and then make a pocket of gas in your abdomen to do the surgery. So the vast majority of hysterectomies I do, over 99% are laparoscopic or robotic. Wow. So post-surgery, what's the recovery process like? So for my hysterectomies, patients go in, have it done, and go home the same day. So it's an outpatient procedure now instead of an open hysterectomy where you're in the hospital for three days or so. It depends on what the patient does for work. So what I tell people is if you have a desk job and you drive into work and you sit at a desk, you're an accountant, you're back to work in two weeks. If you're working from home, you're going to be doing probably limited work in the next couple of days. The big thing is that you don't want to do any heavy lifting or straining for six weeks. So somebody has a job that involves heavy lifting, if they work like an Amazon factory or steel factory or something like that, they're going to be out mm -hmm. for six weeks. And what are the potential complications? Anytime you have surgery, and I tell people, take every surgery you do very seriously. I tell everyone, I love to operate, but you got to take it seriously. Anytime you go in somebody's abdomen, there are risks. The main risk would be bleeding or infection. That's rare. But you do have things that run around your uterus, your bowel, bladder, arteries and veins, the tube that runs from your kidney to your bladder called the ureter. And there's always a potential to get things like that damaged. So it is very important for patients to ask how experienced their surgeon is. I will tell you, in 20 years, I've been asked if I was board certified maybe five times. And I've also almost never am asked how many of these have I done? Almost never. I think those are two important questions that every patient should ask. I'm so surprised that people wouldn't ask you that. I guess they don't know what to ask, maybe. So speaking of, what are some of the common questions patients ask before they choose this procedure? The biggest question I have, and it's just a misperception in understanding it in the lay public, is they think having a hysterectomy is going to put them through menopause and stop having estrogen. And that's not the case. All of the female hormones are developed out of the ovary. So the current recommendation is if you're under 50-51 and you're having a hysterectomy, we would leave your ovaries. And so that means you go through menopause at the normal time, no change in hormones, no change in sexual function. So there's this term out there called partial hysterectomy, and that's actually a layman's term. When people use that, they mean, oh, leave my ovaries. The true term is a total hysterectomy. But people in the public interpret that as taking the ovaries. So I always have to clarify that with people that, hey, we're not planning on taking your ovaries or you're 55 years old, we're going to take your ovaries. Okay, I probably should know the answer to this, but why keep the ovaries? Because if you're not going to have children, do you need them? So if I were to take someone's ovaries out at the age of 40, 
that would actually decrease their life expectancy. So the ovaries and the estrogen do a lot of things for heart health, cholesterol, and bones. So one of the other big issues for postmenopausal women is osteoporosis and hip fractures. There's a very high mortality rate within a year after breaking a hip. So you want to get women's bones as strong as possible, and that is accomplished through estrogen. So premature menopause, whether it's natural or surgically induced, can increase some problems like heart disease and osteoporosis. Wow. Who knew the ovaries played such a big part in, in other areas? Yeah, they're pretty important. Wow. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't cover? No, I think the main thing that I would want to tell patients is make sure your doctor sits down and talks to you, explains all of your options. You ask the questions that you want. Don't ever feel rushed. And make sure you find out how experienced they are. I think that's a really big issue that's not addressed. Absolutely. Well, this has been so informative. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. We appreciate it and the work that you do. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Again, that's gynecologist Dr. Scott Bovelski. Thank you for listening to Putting Your Health First. To learn more about Health First's integrated and compassionate gynecology services designed to support women through every stage of life, please visit hf.org women. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out our entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. This has been Putting Your Health First, a podcast from Health First.